Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Diamond. Experience! Welcome to episode number 19 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast for Monday, July 28th, 2014. I, of course, am your host, Derek Diamond, and hopefully you all had a fun and relaxing weekend and that this podcast will bring you some sort of entertainment on your Monday or whenever you may be listening. Before we get to our conversation of the week, I wanted to give a forewarning that If you're not a fan of nerd things and pop culture, then you probably won't enjoy this episode, because not only will I be talking to someone in the world of video games, we had Comic-Con happen this past weekend. It's easily the biggest comic book convention in the world, in my opinion. It happens in San Diego every year at the end of July, and that's where all the big stars come out to sign autographs, to do panels unveil footage from upcoming films, and various other things. And, of course, they have the cosplay and all that fun stuff. But the biggest thing to me that they unveiled was the little trailer for Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. It was pretty simple. I mean, I don't know if this is from the actual movie. It may have just been something that they shot for Comic-Con, but it has Batman, who is in his armor from The Dark Knight Returns, unveils the bat signal, turns it on, and looks up in the sky, and you see Superman. And his eyes start to glow, and then Batman's armor, his eyes start to glow. And it cuts off after that, but it was really cool to see. I hope that he does have his armor in the movie, which I I, I think he will. After showing that, I, I'm pretty sure that they will. And they also unveiled what Wonder Woman is going to look like in Batman vs. Superman. And I will say I was really impressed with the way she looked. It it turned out to be a lot better than I thought. It's pretty much like the traditional Wonder Woman outfit. I mean, it it obviously isn't exactly the same, but still, I was was pretty happy with it. And it's just a shame that we're going to have to wait another two years for this movie because after seeing that little trailer and the photo of Wonder Woman, I'm really, really excited about it. Something that surprised me, and this has been something that I thought for the longest time was going to be complete garbage, and that is the trailer for the upcoming Mad Max reboot called Mad Max Fury Road. And it's a reboot of a series that was done back in the late 70s, early 80s, starring Mel Gibson. It takes place in a post-apocalyptic future where Max's wife and kid are killed by these gangs. And it's basically like gang warfare. Everyone's fighting for life essentials. I know one of the biggest ones is gasoline. And the reboot stars Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron, and it's also made by George Miller, who did the original Mad Max trilogy. So that, to me, was kind of the one shining light from it. But after I saw the trailer, I thought to myself, holy crap, this is going to be a really good movie. So if you haven't seen it, it's online, and I highly recommend checking it out. But it it looks really, really good. 
And of course, there's the Avengers uh, with the photo of Captain America's shield being broken. And the footage that they showed from the movie isn't online, but I read a detailed description and it sounds like it'll be it sounds like it'll be good. I think the story will be much better than the first one. And of course, I'm excited to see the uh, Tony Stark and the Hulkbuster Iron Man outfit fighting the Hulk. So a lot of good things going on in the world of nerd and pop culture. As far as me personally, I had a very busy work week. I didn't really have time to watch anything, no Arrow update uh, or anything like that. I did work with the Actor Factor crew again uh, yesterday, and I was kind of out of it because I've been exhausted from this past week, so I was kind of, I was basically an autopilot for the entire day, but it was still a lot of fun, uh, and I will actually get to be doing the behind-the-scenes featurettes that will be online fairly soon. And that's really all the news and things that have been going on with me that I have to talk about. But my guest this week is someone from the world of video games who I met through our mutual contact, the great Brett Brooks. And his name is Jeffrey Larkin. He is a visual effects designer for NetherRealm Studios, who is responsible for making such games as Mortal Kombat, Injustice, and several others. And it was really nice to get to know him. He, like I said, does visual effects. So it was nice to get his take on the game industry. We talked about uh, him growing up in Chicago, and really various other things. And we also debate the upcoming Ninja Turtles reboot movie, which he's excited about. Me, I'm still very, very skeptical about it, but I do hope that it is better than what I think it's going to be. So sit back and listen to this nice conversation I had with Jeffrey Larkin. Back here on the Derek Diamond Experience with my special guest this week, video game visual effects designer Jeffrey Larkin. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you, we were talking earlier off the line. Uh, you're coming to us from Chicago, Illinois. Are you from Chicago? Yes, I am. Uh, I was born here, and then uh, after a bit of college, came back to Chicago, and I live uh, right by the lake on the north side. It's a really, really nice area, lots of fun things to do, lots of restaurants and whatnot. That's pretty cool. Uh, If I were to ask you, like, if I'm saying that I want to come visit Chicago, what are some good places in Chicago to go? Um, The restaurants. I mean, we got awesome museums and uh, a lot of kind of iconic landmark areas, but... uh, Really, Chicago is a food town in my book. So there are just so many restaurants. You could spend months here just eating at different places every meal and never get through it. Does Chicago have the best pizza? <laughs> um, I don't know about the best. We ha- we have a unique pie up here, um, and it is a pie. It's thick. Uh, mm-hmm. Our stuffed pizzas are big. But really, if I was going to categorize Chicago as a town, it would be burgers. Oh, okay. Uh, I never would have guessed, but there are some of the most amazing burgers you'll ever eat here in Chicago. I never would have thought that. Yeah. 
I'll have to keep that in mind if I ever make it up there. Definitely. But growing up in Chicago, were you uh, were you a big gamer when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, when I was young, I must have been six or seven. Uh, my little brother and I inherited an NES from our two older brothers, and that kind of set my life going. Um, Super Mario Brothers, Excite Bike, um, baseball. I don't even know if there was like a subtitle of that one. It was just baseball, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you would be right. <laughs> but uh, but those games like just kind of changed what I thought I knew at that young age, and uh, actually still kind of do. Um, but yeah, started way back then. Graduated to uh, Sega Genesis and then a Nintendo 64 all the way up through the uh, next-gen consoles today. You sound like a kindred spirit. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I I actually never owned a NES, but my aunt had one, so I would always go there after school and play it. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Mario and Zelda fan and still am to this day. Oh, yeah. uh, Zelda is my all-time favorite uh, video game franchise. Mario's probably a, a close second, and then I got the Genesis just for the Sonic games, which mm-hmm. the I, I still enjoy them, but you know the new ones aren't quite—they're not—they don't quite hold up to the old ones, in my they, opinion. They—they they definitely changed the formula a little bit. Just even going into 3D from 2D, it, it the feel of the game completely changed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, what uh, did you ever own a Super Nintendo? Um, that's funny because I never did, but I played on one a lot. My uncle had one and, uh, and I've always kind of secretly thought to myself that I owned it, but, but it was his and, uh, played a lot of, uh, Super Mario World Mm -hmm. on that. Um, and then, uh, Street Fighter, um, I think it was Street Fighter Alpha 2 Turbo, I don't know. There might have been some extra subtitles on there, but uh, but those two games. Yeah, I was funny, and we were talking about this before we started recording. You said you never played Mortal Kombat when you were younger, and I never played Street Fighter when I was younger. I was always a Mortal Kombat guy, but I I, I do I have played Street Fighter a little bit, and I, I do you know respect its history. And everything because it, it has a really really good fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know they're so different um, while being you know both fighting games that um, yeah I think they complement each other in a nice way because one is um, you know like a lot of you know twitch reactions um, I mean like literally counting frames so you have like one to three frames to do certain moves and it's all like really really technical. Whereas Mortal Kombat is, um, at least to me, all about humiliating the other person as much as possible, even if that means just spamming a fireball until they die every single time. You always have to get that fatality. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something that Street Fighter sorely needs, maybe. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. So when you're going through school, uh, when do you decide that working in video games is something that you want to do with your life? Um, you know, I, I guess it was kind of high school that cemented that in for me. Um, no particular class or um, teacher or 
anything like that. It was just kind of, you know, you come into your own a little bit in high school and um, growing up with games, it was really the only thing that made sense to me to go into. Um, but, uh, but fun fact, I didn't start with games when I went to college. I actually did a animation for the first half of my my stay there. And then it was um, uh, a professor who came in, Brenda Brathwaite, although people out there probably know her better as Brenda Romero right now. Um, she came and taught and totally changed my mind about what I was doing and, and got me into games. What, uh, what made you want to go into animation when you first went to college? Um, I guess I loved film as much or more than I loved games, and I thought that with animation, I could jump between the two or at least have options in both, doing you know uh, short and feature-length animated films or video games. Oh, okay. But, yeah. And uh, where did you go to college? I went to the Savannah College of Art and Designer, SCAD as it's known, out in Savannah, Georgia. Beautiful college. Oh, yeah. And it's also uh, where you met our mutual contact, Brett Brooks, right? Yes. Oh, man. Brett Brooks and I go way, way, way back. I always have to, I have to give him props anytime I interview someone that he's recommended. So, Brett, there's your shout-out if you're listening. Yeah. All for you, Brett. I'm pulling <laughs> one out for you right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's a super nice guy, and he's really talented, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you'll be hard pressed to meet somebody with as much drive, uh, that's so very focused yet still able to go in so many different directions all at once. Yeah. We, I met him back in November at a convention and then I had him on another podcast I do as well as this one. And he, he's just super smart and he, he just, he gets it. Mm-hmm. He gets it. I love his art style too, with his Dust Bunny book. Oh yeah, yeah. Dust Bunny is uh, is a really really nice piece of work. Yes, it is, and it's it's one of those books that really anybody can read. Like kids will like it because it's animated, talking animals, and older people like us can like it because it's got such a good story to it. Yeah, yeah, and then the art just sings. Um, yeah. I, I don't. Just, oh, sorry. Um, I just meant not just like as it's it's you know that's a nice drawing, but like he puts so much depth into the uh, each panel um, that it like in some cases like completely changes what somebody is saying just because of some visual gag or or like subtle hint somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember telling him this on more than one occasion, and we we both really talked about it, but. I don't think the book would have had the same effect if it hadn't have been in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, in some cases you see a comic in black and white and, uh, you know, it's because, you know, it's, it's, that's the only way they could get it printed for, you know, whatever reason. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was poignant being in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So you're in college, did you have any kind of interesting jobs that you worked to kind of, I guess, you know, pay some expenses while you're in school? Um, not as much as I should have. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a, I was a 
peer tutor for a little while and then worked at an ice cream shop for a hot two months. And then, uh, nice. <laughs> that was it. I, I, I was, um, just, you know, pretty much into school socializing and, uh, actually a lot of naps. Oh, naps are great, especially yeah. on college days. Yeah. I, I feel like my senior year, um, on top of the course load and everything else, I was getting like 14 hours of sleep a day counting all my naps. Like it was ridiculous. I don't know how I did it. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, when I was in college, I had to drive an hour to and from classes and all my classes would be in the morning and I would be home by like noon or 1230 and I would just take a one or two hour nap as soon as I'd get home. And it was great. So naps, naps are very underrated. Oh yeah. There's nothing better. Um, I was looking at your, uh, your LinkedIn page and it said that you worked in a coffee shop. Yeah. How was that? Uh, it was actually awesome. Um, for, for, you know, the majority of it, it gets a little old after a while, I'll admit, but, um, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, cause you're constantly in conversation and the person you're having a conversation with changes like every two minutes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's great. It keeps you on your toes mentally. There's always like so much stuff happening. Um, it was exercise. Like, I guess that's why I love it so much. It was, it was psychological exercise, just staying with it mm-hmm. at a coffee shop. Yeah, the coffee shops I've been in, everyone has always seemed very happy and it's nonstop chatter, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty interesting. Like, I don't know why, but that really jumped out at me because I've always been kind of intrigued. Like, I, I, would, I would wonder what it would be like to work in a coffee shop, it, even if it was for a day. It just, it seems really interesting to me. You should try it. You should totally try it. You should go out tomorrow and drop off an application at the nearest <laughs> Starbucks. So would just like to work one day. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over really well, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think the, my application would probably get ripped in front of my face. <laughs> uh, also, I, I saw that you've done some videography work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right after, uh, I was at the coffee shop. Um, I'd been there like two years, I think, um, and worked my way up to being a shift supervisor. So I was, you know, ordering and managing and training and doing interviews, um, which is maybe the last thing I should be doing. I don't know, but, um, just kind of had enough. And, uh, and so there are a lot of like summer camps, um, where I was living, this is Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It's kind of like Chicago's backyard. So like the summer months are the big months up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so this was in the spring. I decided to quit being a, a barista and um, got a job through a friend at one of those camps as a videographer. And um, like my interview was basically like, you, you know how to use a computer? Like you, you're kind of artsy, you could do it. You're fine, you're probably <laughs> overqualified. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, I started and I was, you know, two to four years older than everybody else who was working at this camp. Cause they're all like high schoolers and like early college kids. And here I am like two and a half years out of college <laughs> with nothing going on. So you're like, yeah, I'll film your kids for a week. 
and uh, so I did that. It was it was actually hard. Like it was so hard because there's so much stuff that goes on, and every week you know schedules change, and you have camps with different age groups, and so everything is always different. And trying to capture all that, mm-hmm. and then like produce a coherent highlight video for Friday night or Saturday morning and then like burn hundreds of DVDs for parents (laughs) for Saturday morning when everybody gets picked up. It was, uh, it was rough. A lot of, a lot of Red Bull, uh, late nights and uh, a lot of Monty Python on, on Netflix. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I do videography work myself and I, know exactly what you mean. I've never done a, a camp like that, but I have done graduations before, so I know what it's like to, you know, stay up late, have a lot of energy drinks, and have to burn multiple DVDs. So yeah, it, it can be, it, it's harder than people think it is. Like, a lot of people say, oh, well, all you're doing is just pointing a camera at something. It's <laughs> it's more than that. It's much more than that. You, Not everyone knows you know, just what kind of shot to get or what Mm -hmm. looks good and what doesn't. And some people, they just, they don't even really know how to explain it. They just do it. You know, I'm the same way. Like, I can't explain to people how I know what shot looks good and what doesn't. Like, I have to be in the situation and be like, okay, well, that'll work. So I'll shoot it from this angle or whatever. But yeah, I I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's a funny job because you got to wear so many hats all at once. Oh yeah, and uh, and yeah, it's just it's just constant movement. Um, I remember this one time though, kind of in light of that, like you can't explain it. You just like do it, and you have it, and you know it. Um, there was this one week I was super behind, and I had one of the uh, high school counselors help me out, and he filmed a bunch of stuff for me. And um, I was looking at it later that night, and um, and there were like maybe out of the, you know, hour and a half that, that he filmed, there was like, you know, 15 seconds of usable stuff, which is how it goes sometimes. And I'm like looking at my final edit and I'm looking at these clips and I felt so bad, but like it just, you just can't use them. You know, different, different people have different strengths, obviously. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. That, that's kind of the unfortunate part about that type of job is when, when you have to tell someone that something's either not good or, you know, something's not usable. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, sure. I was such a dick about it too. I wish I could go back and just like slap myself or something because <laughs> I did not handle that well. Um, and I'm sure you understand, like you're, you know, doing all that you can, you have a strict time limit and you only have so many hours in the day and you're just like stressed. And then, you know, something like that happens and, you're not thinking too much about being nice about it. Yeah, the worst is when you know something isn't going to be good, yet you try your hardest to make it at least decent. Mm-hmm. And then you get some wise-ass parent that will say just some offhand remark, and you just want to just want to <laughs> punch them in the nose. Right, right. Yeah, and camps camps vicious with that too because you know all the parents go there and like they pre-order stuff. The parents the are worse the than the week. kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they pre-order, and they, like, have all these expectations that, like, 
you know, in this five minute video, they're going to see their kid for, for a minute and a half. And, uh, and when you have, you know, two, 300 kids, like they're lucky to get like three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a, a parent once like months after I had already completed these graduation DVDs and I, I had recorded, um, the baccalaureate ceremony, the kids, you know, walking through the high school on their last day in their cap and gowns and the graduation ceremony. And you're obviously not going to be able to fit in everybody when you make a highlight video. Mm-hmm. There's just too many people to do it. But not just that, like I, I would also put like the full graduation ceremony and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some parent tried t- to tell me that, uh, their, uh, their kid wasn't featured in it at all. And I knew who the kid was and I went back and looked and saw that they were there. Mm-hmm. And the, this, this parent tried to argue with me that her child was not in it. And I'm like, no, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't spend yeah. hours working on this. Right. Plus, you know, it's, it's not like everybody looks that different in a cap and gown walking across the same stage. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about it, I should have just sent her a screen cap. <laughs> that, yeah, that would have really been the the dick thing to do, but it would have gotten my point across. Yeah. So you you graduate college. Um, was NetherRealm your first job, or did you work with uh, any other type of uh, of games? Um, that was that was my first one. Um, nice. That's yeah, impressive. It only took two and a half years, three years. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, I, yeah, definitely people have it have it worse. But yeah, no, that was my first one. That's um, awesome. Knew a friend of a friend of a relative who worked there, and uh, eventually got in contact with this guy. And through so many emails being exchanged, and eventually like not being able to meet with him at all. He was just like, you know what, I'm just going to forward your stuff over to this other guy. And then like a week later, I get a call asking me in for uh, an interview for my first internship there. That's awesome. That's that's really impressive to say that your first company you worked with is NetherRealm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like <laughs> dummy old me, uh, we had talked about this before we started, how I we kind of touched on it before, but like street fighter, I'd never played mortal Kombat before I started working for another realm. I didn't know who they were. I knew who midway was, but, uh, midway is no more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I didn't know anything about this place. <laughs> I go in there and, uh, you know, not even bright eyed, bushy tailed, like, like that, that cartoon cat who's got his tail so far between his legs. And like, he's kind of crying <laughs> a little bit. That was me walking through the front door. Oh man. What what were people's reactions when you told them that you never played Mortal Kombat? Oh, I didn't tell anybody. Uh, it's probably <laughs> I didn't a smart tell decision. Anybody for months that I'd never played it. I spent uh, well. They had just released um, the big reboot Mortal Kombat when I started. It was like just a few months out on the shelves when I when I came in there, and so I got a development build which was kind of like a final qa thing basically the same thing that went out on the shelves and um played that for like the first couple weeks that i was there while you know i was waiting for software to get set up 
mm-hmm. up and, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And so, you know, I, I tried to get up to speed as, as best I could. But yeah, I had no idea. That's, that's pretty crazy to me. But what, I got to ask, like, since you've played it now, who's your favorite character? Who's my favorite character? I, I'm not good with anybody. I'm, I'm going to say that, <laughs> like, right off the bat. Um, I, I like Quan Chi. I think he's got, like, a lot of really cool stuff going on. Like, I like that he's kind of a mid-range fighter mm-hmm. with a lot of, you know, really cool magic attacks. Um, and uh, I actually really, really liked um, Kenji on the uh, – he was DLC for that mm-hmm. one. And uh, he was just so cool. Like, I love the idea. I've always loved the idea of, like, the blind fighter, like, the blind gunman who, like, uses some sort of, like, supernatural force or just, like, sheer will to be a badass while mm-hmm. not being able to see a thing. So he uh, he was interested in me as well. Yeah, I remember when that DLC came out, how it was all these fighters and then Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah. Which Freddy Krueger actually ended up being a pretty cool character to use. I I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. But no, those those are all really good characters. Really yeah. good characters. Um, so what uh, what games have you worked on while you've been at Nether Realm? Yeah, um, actually quite a lot. Um, I worked on um, the first project I was on was the uh, PlayStation Vita port of Mortal Kombat. So um, immediately started working on that. And then um, right after that, started working on Batman Arkham Lockdown, which was a uh, kind of mobile brawler version Mm -hmm. of Arkham City, who uh, was done by, of course, Rocksteady, um, Mm -hmm. another Warner Brothers studio. Um, I don't know if people know that NetherRealm is owned by Warner Brothers Games. So, like, yeah. we have so, like, I had no idea. Uh, I was just so ignorant going into this industry. Like, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I had no idea that, like, I was working essentially for the same company that did all the Lego games, that was doing the Batman games, that was doing the Lord of the Rings games. Like, I had no idea. Um, so, yeah, did Batman Lockdown. Um, I was an environment artist on, on both of those titles. And then um, had one project that got uh, permanently shelved, and then um, which was like is something that happens a lot, I think, in the industry. Um, yeah. You know, people work on something sometimes like even years, and then it just doesn't come out. <laughs> so you can never say anything about it. You can never show any work from it. It's just like this black hole. Uh, so after that. Let's see what was happening then. I think we were spooling up for injustice at that point, and um, so did a little bit of work on that as an environment artist again, and then um, let's see. And then I transitioned over into visual effects, which uh, was a big transition, um, and can get back to that later if you want. Um, but then I worked on Batman Arkham Origins and, uh, was still kind of working on Injustice, um, and then worked on, uh, let's see, what else is there? 
worked on the Injustice mobile game, which is okay. huge. Um, like, we're still putting content into that. It's ridiculous. Um, and then did a little bit for the E3 demo of Mortal Kombat X. And then we're up to the present. And people went nuts over yes. that, me, including me. So have, have you been to E3? No, no, never. I, I'm not 100% sure I want to. But um, it looks like a blast. Yeah, why? Why are you not sure if you want to go? Um, I'm just I don't like big crowds. I, don't uh, like, I gotcha. I, I, I haven't gotcha. been to a lot of big conventions, um, and so it's just kind of like a I don't know. For me, I don't think I have like agoraphobia or anything like that. But um, mm-hmm. sometimes, like just being out in like hugely stimulating crowd like that gets me a little. Uh, suffocated feeling. Yeah, I I gotcha. And and E three has got to be the biggest and baddest convention you could go to in the video game world. Oh no doubt, no doubt that that's actually on my bucket list is to go to E three. And especially like I I was really impressed with it this year because I thought all the major studios had a, had a really strong showing. So it, oh, yeah. it was it was just good because. Last year was all about the new consoles, and this year it was all about the games. Oh, my God. And that's, and that's what yes. it needed to be. If, in hindsight, if I could have gone to E3, I, I 100% would have gone to this E3. I yes. have not been this excited about games in such a long time. Yeah. Yeah, me too. What What are some that you're looking forward to? Oh, man. Um, well, I'll just go chronologically. Maybe. So this month, um, they have the remastered edition of Last of Us, which I pre-ordered ages ago. But when they like announced that and gave the uh, release date for that, I was so jazzed. Um, then this fall, there are so many games come out. There's like Evolve, Alien Isolation, um, Destiny. I played the alpha oh. of that. It was incredible. I, I, I can't wait for next week for the beta. I um, I don't think I'm gonna get to do the beta, but I'm I'm super stoked about that game. It just looks so good. Were you able to play the alpha at all? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, it's it's really really tight. And um, the thing about alphas are like alphas are you know make sure all the systems are playable kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so with the game looking and playing like that and feeling like that at alpha. I'm just so excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely excited about that too. And it, what's funny is I you mentioned Last of Us. I never got a PS3. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to play Last of Us, but I do have a PS4. So I was really excited when they announced remastered versions of Last of Us and GTA V because I oh, never yeah. got to play any of those. Yeah, GTA V was, was amazing. I hadn't picked up a GTA game ever until four came out and uh just kind of piddled around in four never finished the story and it was Mm -hmm. like it was really cool but i didn't think it lived up to all the hype and press it got five oh my god like it's such an amazing game for anybody out there who hasn't played it like it's totally worth checking out picking up borrowing renting buying Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I guess I should say that right. Buying should buy the game. 
Yeah, what's funny about Grand Theft Auto is I was really big into Vice City. Mm-hmm. And then I got, uh, I think it was San Andreas that was after that. And it just wasn't nearly as appealing to me. So after that, I kind of hopped off the the GTA bandwagon. But I, I'm excited to play 5, for sure. Cause just because I've heard so much good things about it. Oh, yeah. And uh, GTA Online is... A beast. Um, I only played a little bit uh, when I played through uh, back on the 360, but um, I just saw an article the other day. There are like hardcore motorcycle gangs mm-hmm. in GTA Online. Like this one had even like made a fake gangland documentary about themselves and like how hardcore they were with like all in-game footage and stuff. Like it's ridiculous. That's awesome. That's really really cool. You mentioned. And I think it was after Injustice that you transitioned from uh, environment artist to visual effects. Yes. Um, what what exactly does an environment artist do? And then how was the transition from that to visual effects? Yeah, so an environment artist is, um, not to be confused with the level designer, um, an environment artist does all of the... 3D modeling, texturing, and lighting for um, the levels in the game. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we'd be given a piece of concept for a given level, or in the case of the mobile games, we would have the console versions. And, um, you know, it's basically our job to make everything that needs to be there and... Uh, and the most important thing is make it run well on mm-hmm. whatever hardware or console it's being played on. Oh, okay. Yeah, what's uh, what's funny about, and we were, again, talking about this off-air, but uh, one cool thing about Injustice is the environment because it's kind of interactive where you can actually break off portions of the level, either throw your opponent through it or maybe, you know, use it to your advantage. So that's what I thought made that game really unique. I mean, the mechanics of it itself is really good. And uh, I'm a comic book geek as well, so I really enjoyed that game. But I thought the the level, being interactive with the level, was one of the best qualities about it. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, when you talk about Injustice, like, you have to talk about the, the interactive environments. Um, like, it, it does this such... Does this, yeah, does this awesome thing? Can't talk anymore. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> this is awesome thing for gameplay, where you know, in an instant, you can completely change the the tide of things. You know, you could be losing so bad on at the end of your second life bar, and then you know, one really nice reposition, or you know, throwing a drone at somebody, get them, you know, on their heels a little bit, and then you can just go into them and you know, completely take the match. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a really cool thing. Uh, we had talked um, again before about uh, like how it's kind of like Smash Brothers, where like you have this um, this you know awesome fight that's going on. You know, um, you might have like Link and Mario over there, and here you have you know Superman and the Flash, and they're fighting and it's awesome. But then like they're not just fighting; like they're picking up a car and throwing it, and it's mm-hmm. just all of your comic book fantasies dripping out of the screen. It's awesome. And the, and the story was so great too. 
and even inspired its own comic book. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a copy of that graphic novel. I actually reread it every once in a while. It's so good. Um, my favorite part in in the the graphic novel is is this moment that the Flash has where he's like kind of considering this change that's happening in the world around him. Because mm-hmm. um, in Injustice, of course, you have this big catastrophic event where Lois Lane is killed at the beginning of the game. And mm-hmm. Superman just like goes on this tirade of tyrannical justice and uh, basically becomes king of the earth. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so the graphic novel kind of showcases everything that leads up into that. And like the Flash is such a conflicted character in the game. And then they, you know, add even more depth to that in the novel. And I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check out the graphic novel sometime. I've never read the comic, but I've heard good things about it. But the, excuse me, the storyline of the game was just really, really intriguing. And uh, were, were you a fan of comic books growing up? Uh, not a lot. Um, I mean, I read Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts like everybody else. Um, and I actually really liked Brenda Starr, too. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers that one, but it was a Sunday comic about this news reporter who is this, you know, like, awesome uh, journalist who would, like, really get to the heart of things and kind of, like, poke and prod at all the right places with all the right people just to get the job done. And she was always like kind of teetering on the edge of, of going too far with, with, you know, her reporting, but I just loved it. Um, but other than that, like I didn't read comics until like college, like real comic, not real comics, but like superhero comics until college. And, uh, got like super into everything Batman. Um, and then, uh, a bit into Ashley Wood and, uh, but yeah, mostly just Batman. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my friend Zach will love to hear that. He does the other podcasts with me and he's a, he's a huge Batman fan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, back to what we were talking about, about the visual effects. Uh, what was the transition like from going to environment artists to visual effects? Yeah, um, this is an interesting story. Um, where I was sitting in the studio, because um, I was I was an intern for two years, and then I came on full time last year. And um, at the kind of midpoint in my first internship, um, I sat right behind one of the effects artists. His name is uh, Bill Cladis. He runs um, a really sweet. Uh, website and forum for FX artists called him ViewFX, and uh, he was just starting to do all that when I was sitting there, and so I was watching him like put these, you know, beginner and then intermediate and then advanced tutorials together, and um, I basically asked him, "Hey, can I have everything you're doing because it looks really cool?" <laughs> and he was super nice about it. Uh, we're actually really good friends we would uh we're both into cycling and so um every once in a while for lunch and like when we had studio game days we would go out on you know 15 30 mile bike rides um up and down the the lake shore in chicago um so he kind of 
you know, saw the spark in me, I guess, and, and let me have all this stuff. And so I just went through that and played around and tinkered and realized that, uh, that that was what I wanted to do. So, um, when I came back for my second internship, I was an environment artist again, but, um, I managed to talk to the right people in the right order and got moved to the effects team about a month in. And, uh, yeah, at least for me, the rest is history. That's awesome. That's, I, I'm so envious of you because you get to work in the video game industry. That's <laughs> really cool. But how do you feel about video games today compared to the ones that were, say, made like 20 years ago or even as recent as five or 10 years ago? Because to me, the, the gaming industry is so different than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, you know, I hear stories um, at work and in school from professors and, and at work from people who have been around 20, 30, 40 years in the industry, maybe not 40, but, but definitely 30 um, years in the industry and like what it was like then and what it was like, you know, between then and now and um, kind of heard them reflect on it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because you have like, you know, the garage days in the beginning where, you know, it's just a few guys hacking out code on a Commodore 64 and, you know, making history. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just like, you know, it builds up uh, until you get to today where it's, you know, a huge industry and like you have thousands and thousands of people all over the world making games. And I have to believe that the way that games are made directly impacts, you know, what games are made and what those games are like. So, mm -hmm. you know, looking back, like, you know, a classic Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers 3, um, might even be better. You have this, like, really distilled gameplay where when you're playing the game, like, you're doing one thing and you're just doing it over and over again until you get it right. Um, it, like, they were simple. They had to be simple because of the hardware, because of the size of the development teams. And, uh, and then as, you know, time goes on, you have a few people experimenting and kind of creating the genres of video game that we know today. Like, I mean, Castle Wolfenstein and Doom, you know, creating the first-person shooter genre. Mm -hmm. And, you know, aside from not being able to look up and down, you know, they're pretty much the same things we're playing today. Um, which again, I think is because of how games are made. Um, you know, it's like these genres pop up as like one developer does this one really cool thing. Everyone around him sees like, Hey, this is a great way to do it. And then, you know, they just birth the genre because now there's, you know, 15 games that are using the same mechanics and they start making money and, you know, then that's all, that's the only thing they do because they want to make money. And like, you, you see that going through. And I think today, uh, you know, the big AAA games, they're awesome, but they're all kind of, you know, sticking to this formula, making slight deviations with, with every new release, which 
I think is totally necessary um, for them to survive. But I think games today are are a lot like the games in yesterday in the sense that like they're doing you know one thing. Um, but the one thing games were doing back then was like one game mechanic, and now they're doing one set of mechanics. You know, right. like you can run and jump and do parkour, but it's a first-person shooter, and then like everybody's doing that, and then you know it just it just kind of goes one after the other. Every new game, every new development studio is kind of doing that thing. Um, but what gets me super excited are all the independent developers. One of my favorite games at E3 was No Man's Sky. Yes. Um, if you haven't seen, people out there haven't seen the trailers or seen any of the, the um, developer diaries, like, you have to check it out. It's it's what games used to be in the sense that, like, nobody's there, nobody's holding your hand, you're just, like, out there and you can do whatever you want. And uh, it makes me so excited. But, you know, they have the flexibility and an independent developer to do those things things because you know you have two or three guys like there's only so many gears working so you can like really chug and like try to do some really new interesting things without the burden of you know thousands of employees waiting for a paycheck yeah that's uh that's one thing that i noticed about e3 last year and this year is the kind of the uprising of the the indie game Mm -hmm. which is really nice to see yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Um, it kind of makes me jealous in one way. Um, you know, it's like I want to make an indie game. Like I want to go out and I want to do these things. Um, but uh, but you know, like that's what's great about the games industry today is that like it's this really cool ecosystem where you have like the big dogs, um, uh, and then you have like all these like little puppies running around in between their legs, and just like it's this whole big beautiful mess of dogs, I guess. I don't know. It looks really cute in my head. I don't know if I've conveyed that. Everybody's like really fluffy and tripping over each other and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, you mentioned, uh, first person shooters quite a bit when you were giving that explanation. What are your thoughts on first person shooters? Are you, are you a fan of them or are you not too big into them? Um, not, not too big into them, honestly. Um, I, really prefer third person shooters. Uh, mm-hmm. we talked about last of us a little bit. Um, the uncharted series are just amazing, amazing games. Um, the mass effect series. Oh, Dead mass Space, effect is really good. Uh, like there's something about like seeing your avatar. That's like really important for me when I'm playing a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think those games tend to be, a little bit slower pace. Like you can take things in a little bit more. Yeah. I I can see what you're saying there. And so I just, I just like that. I'm not, I'm not too into like run and gun, you know, go through as fast as I can and kill everybody I see kind of thing. I really like to take my time and, you know, like really feel the world I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. And, uh, Last uh, one of the last things that I have here, I whenever I called you over Skype, I noticed that you have a Ninja Turtle, specifically Donatello picture. Yeah. Were you a big turtle fan growing up? Um, yeah, I, I love the movies. I love the cartoons. I have 
probably still have a whole mess of action figures from you know the early 90s mm-hmm. um, sitting in a bin somewhere in my parents' basement. Uh, and yeah, I, I, they're just so cool. How can you not like a giant, giant reptile that's like wearing a bandana and, and doing martial arts? And eating pizza. And <laughs> eating pizza. Man, pizza is still my favorite food, hands down. Yeah, I, my mom is convinced that my love of Ninja Turtles is responsible for my love for pizza. <laughs> I don't think those are bad things. I think, oh, no, no. I think that's, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, I, I can still kind of remember going to see the original movie in this really small theater that we had in our, in our mall. It's not there anymore. But it was like this really small theater. It only showed like one movie, I think. It may have shown two, but I'm pretty sure it was only one. And that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters, was the original Ninja Turtle movie. And it's still one of my favorites to this day. I I have it on regular DVD. I have it on Blu-ray. Every now and then I'll, you know, pop it in and watch it. Because it's still entertaining to me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I wish my first movie was that cool i i'm sure my first movie was like beauty and the beast or or something like that there's nothing wrong with a a classic disney movie no no but ninja turtles man like back with those jim henson suits and like the animatronic faces and all that oh man how well do you remember the quotes from the old movie (laughs) not at all um okay because when, uh, and we'll, we'll get to this in a second, but when they released the first really good image of Shredder from the new movie, I posted it on Facebook and I used a, a Michelangelo quote that he used about Shredder in the movie and nobody got it. And I was really disappointed. Oh no. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I would have been among those who didn't get it. I'm afraid. Uh, it, it's all good. So the the new movie we were talking about it, and you say that you're really excited about it. Yes, I know that's an unpopular opinion, but I'm so excited. And and why is that? You know, I I think reboots can be a really really great opportunity to to take a franchise or an IP and. Um, you know, just update it and like make it feel cool and make it feel fresh. And I don't know, like watching the trailers, um, I just, I just get like excited. Like I feel like a kid again, who's like seeing his action figures and his comics, like Mm -hmm. being thrown up on the big screen. And, uh, actually one of my favorite things is, is something that a lot of people are really, really not too happy about. And that's the redesigns on the turtles. Like, I, I think they look amazing. And that's definitely an unpopular opinion. But um, I love how physically they're all a little bit different builds, a little bit different heights. Even their faces are a little bit different. You know, you have, uh, you know, I think it's Michelangelo has, like, the really defined lips that everybody hates. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they all have noses. But, um I just, I don't know, man, they, they like look fun again and they're huge. I love the scale. You and I were talking about that. Um, I love that they're like seven feet tall. That just feels awesome to me. Yeah. It was funny is I didn't notice that until I think the second or third time I saw the first trailer, the one that ends with 
uh, Michelangelo taking his bandana off and showing it to April, and he's like, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. just a bandana." Which I, I like that. I like that they've they seem to have gotten the turtles' personality oh, yeah. to where they're they're accurate the way they should be. So, you know, he takes the bandana off, and I, I'm like, "Wow, he's way bigger than April O'Neil." Because I'm used to seeing, you know, in the cartoons, they're shorter. I mean, I think they were yeah. in the original movies as well. Yeah, they were like around like five, feet five foot or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see, like, whenever they eventually fight Shredder, to see if they're like the same size as him, or if you know Shredder's suit is just ginormous, so he's still bigger than them. That that's probably my biggest concern about it. Is are they gonna just tower over, you know, their arch enemy? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that, that they would mess that up. Um, if you notice, even like in the trailers where you have like Shredder, he's like all backlit and he's like putting out all his blades. He's like that super Shredder mm-hmm. kind of silhouette. Um, like at the bottom of the frame in the foreground is Splinter and he's just like tiny compared to it. Yeah. And so I think just going off that and then going off how big the turtles are. If splinters like four feet tall, we'll say, and the turtles are like six, maybe seven feet tall. Like mm-hmm. shredders got to be like eight feet tall in that suit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm definitely curious to see how it turns out. Cause I, I can, I see it either really surprising people and it's good or it's going to be a huge bomb. I don't think there's going to be an in-between. But yeah. well, but I mean, I I don't want it to fail because I do love the Ninja Turtles. I want it to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because that kind of like oh, I feel like it's going to be really bad, but I don't want it to be bad. But like I'm pretty sure it's going to be bad. But I want it to surprise me. But I'm not excited. But I'm excited. Like that whole kind of mental balancing act with this because it's a beloved franchise. Like how could it not be? Um, yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, the guy who sits next to me at work, he's a character artist, and he's like, he lives and breathes turtles. He wears his turtle shirt to work every day. Well, not every day, but he wears it all the time. And um, he's like, he's so skeptical about this film. And I always like look at him. I'm just like, dude, just be excited. Like, they're turtles. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing that might actually play to its advantage is that everybody has these really low expectations. So yeah. when people go to see it, they might, you know, actually enjoy it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I hope that's the case. And, um, and I hope like, it's not just like a director thing. Like people hate on Michael Bay so hard, but, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, the fact is like every movie he makes is a huge blockbuster. Like people love it. Critics love it. It makes tons of money. Like, you know, whether, whether you enjoy them or not, you know, like he makes impactful films and, uh, like, um, you know, bad boys. And I think the rock and, you know, Pearl Harbor wasn't a great movie, but man, those action sequences were like incredible Yeah, all the way up until transformers. I was hovering over my seat in excitement. The first time I saw the first transformers movie and like star scream was like, fighting the other two jets in the air and like transforming and then like transforming back. Like mm-hmm. I lost it. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I, th- I think, I think the turtles are in good hands. Yeah. I, I hope so. 
I really hope so. But the the last thing I wanted to ask you, do you have any kind of social media you'd like to plug maybe for yourself or for uh nether realm yeah yeah definitely um i have uh i have a twitter um i am a, a twat and i have a twitter it's um at talking underscore animal um nothing exciting happens there <laughs> i just retweet <laughs> kotaku all day um but uh yeah, Netherrealm and uh, Injustice both have Twitter accounts. Um, I think it's like at Netherrealm or Netherrealm Studios, and then um, at Injustice Game. Um, and uh, if you really want to get to the heart of the matter, uh, Ed Boone, co-creator of Mortal Kombat and the current creative director and studio head over at Netherrealm, he has a Twitter at Noobda. Um, it's his name backwards. That's awesome. Um, so he's, he's, his Twitter is so much fun. Um, like he's so snarky and like he'll sit in his office <laughs> and like for, you know, like half an hour every once in a while throughout the day and just respond to a bunch of people and like, Oh, he's so cheeky. I love it. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But, um, if, if you don't mind, I have like a few friends I'd really love to plug. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously at Brett Brooks, you know, the reason we're all here. Yep. Shout out to Brett Brooks. <laughs> um, but then uh, the guy, Bill Cladis, who got me into effects, his tutorial site and forum, like if anybody out there is interested in visual effects for games, um, Imbue Effects, I-M-B-U-E-F-X, at Imbue Effects. That's his Twitter account, and he's got like an amazing website, lots of um, like guest tutorials and interviews on there with people in the industry. Um, so that one's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's all I got. I think as far as shout outs. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, for coming on the show. This was a blast. I, I love, it's nice to have someone else to talk video games with on the show. Yeah, well, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. Once again, I'd like to thank Jeffrey Larkin for coming on the show for that really fun conversation about video games. And next week, we will be venturing back into the Actor Factor world with actress Michelle Rhodes. So definitely tune in for that one. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Twitter at DDiamondExp. Like us on Facebook at the Derek Diamond Experience. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that'll do it. See you guys next week on Monday, August the 4th.